Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast, brought to you by Strata. I'm your host, Griffin Hamilton. This is the show where I interview industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights into modern day facilities management. From hospitality to commercial real estate and everything in between, we'll learn what it really takes to succeed as a facilities manager. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Today's guest is Matt Irwin. Matt, how you doing? Very good. Thank you for having me, Griffin. Of, um, of I am course. the Director of Facilities of uh, North Syracuse Central School District. Um, I've been around for about 12 years in public schools. Um, worked both in uh, Casanova, New York, and now in North Syracuse, New York. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Pleasure having you on here, and I know... Uh, this kind of goes along the theme with uh, educational facilities management and talking to uh, your experience in the space. And so I'm excited to uh, dive into a little bit more depth. But before we do, uh, why don't you give a, a quick rundown of how you got into facilities management in the first place? Okay, sure. Um, so just prior to uh, coming back to New York, I was actually self-employed down in Virginia Beach. Um, 2008-2009 was a, a tough year for uh, business in general. Uh, we had some, some family issues and, and some opportunities to uh, come back and consider coming back to New York. Um, so conveniently, my brother happened to work with a director of facilities wife at a local community college. And uh, I heard about an opportunity um, to work in HVAC for a school district and uh, took a chance and gave it a try. So so did you have a background in HVAC or was so, that just uh, you started at the bottom and worked your way up? So right out of college, I started in plumbing and HVAC um, as a union helper on a cogen plant. Uh, from there, I went to Glens Falls, New York, and worked in uh, HVAC for a small local firm uh, before I went to a corporate firm in Albany and then transitioned down to Virginia to run East Coast Mechanical for PSEG Energy Technologies. Um, and soon after, they exited the line of business, and I went to work for myself. Very cool. Very cool. And then you worked your way back up into New York and then got into the, the, I guess, the official facilities management space, if you want to use the air quotes on official there. Uh, but it, very interesting. So uh, transitioning over into the educational space, what was the, the main difference you saw? Demand, uh, really. Um, budgets didn't allow for a large enough workforce to really address all of the work that needed to be done. So um, you transitioned from a world where you did preventative maintenance uh, and, and you sold service contracts for preventative maintenance and demand service was a smaller portion of your work to a space where demand service became the priority and, and the overarching need and preventative maintenance was really squeezed in as opportunity allowed for it. Yeah, I think, and that's something that we had talked about, um, you know, before we hit the record button was just the limited resources and, and how that just adds another layer of complexity in facilities management and the educational space. So uh, you touched on preventative maintenance. What does that look like having limited resources, both financially and labor uh, resources? How do you go about going from fighting fires to having a more established uh, strategic preventative maintenance program in place? Um, in the worst case scenarios, preventative maintenance is a philosophy and not an actionable task. Um, in schools where we've done it well, 
um, you're utilizing all the resources you have available. Um, so your custodial staff is touching and feeling the equipment and reporting back what feels out of the ordinary. They may not know exactly what they're looking at, but they know what it sounds like day to day and all of a sudden it sounds different. Or it's a little cooler today than it was yesterday. And they're, they're feeding that information back and we're reacting to the need rather than um, actually proactively performing preventative maintenance, but we're not waiting for failure at that point. So we're, we're getting a step up on it. Um, and that, that's really the stopgap um, that we really utilize very well in schools because we have large custodial staffs. We have presence in the buildings 24-7 sometimes, at the very least 16 hours a day. So we're able to get ahead of things in that respect. But uh, I really don't consider that preventive maintenance. It's still reactive to an extent. Yeah, but it's at least getting, as you just mentioned, you're one step ahead as you would be otherwise. And so, I mean, that's going back to the theme there of getting creative where you do have resources, maybe not, as you mentioned, uh, more technical resources in that sense, but um, kind of getting them involved beyond just their day-to-day custodial uh, responsibilities there. And so as someone that would maybe listening that doesn't have that in place, what are some good steps to take to standardize what that looks like to get your custodial team involved? Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's getting your head custodian who may have the training to share that with his team. It's using your, your maintenance mechanics, if you're fortunate enough to have them on staff, to spend some time during the summer training your teams to understand what maintenance looks like. So a lot, most schools, the custodians are changing the filters. The custodians are doing the daily management of the boiler systems. They're, they're running the logs. They're tracking everything. They're doing your blowdowns on your steam systems. They're touching and feeling the equipment on a regular basis, but it's usually one or two staff members that are doing that work in the building. It's cross-training the rest of the team to understand what they're dealing with. It's that whole workforce mentality, you know, using everyone at your disposal, not just a couple of experts. Yeah, and that's yeah, and and that's a really good point there. Of uh, we do find that you have that custodial team, then you have more hands-on technical team. But at the end of the day, they do roll up under the head of facilities in that facilities department. Um, so, to in your experience, tell me where that that line is, or how you separate between the two, and where, from what I'm hearing you, the crossover needs to occur to have that efficient uh, organiza- organization. Uh, running as smoothly and as efficiently as possible? Um, it, it varies so widely, it's hard to draw a line. Um, the smaller the school, the fuzzier it's going to get. Your head custodian might be your maintenance mechanic in a small district. You know, in a large district like mine today, I'm fortunate enough to have individual trade professionals that I tap both on day and night shift. So I've got that expertise that I can send out, um, and we're in the process of building our custodial teams. Our head custodians are very knowledgeable. They've got they've got a lot of depth. They do a lot of hands-on preventative maintenance work, changing belts and filters and, and greasing motors and, and you know they have their hands on equipment regularly, but the minute they're not present, that challenge becomes, you know, who's there to backfill for them? Do they have the knowledge necessary to step up and, and make the right decisions or do they need the support? And uh, that cross-training is really where we're at today um, in building our teams. Uh, and everybody's in a different place, and, and depending on your size, has their own unique challenges. 
Yeah, and that's and you're bringing up an excellent point there. And what I just what I see talking with individuals that run the smaller schools, as you alluded to, and then going up to the you know several hundred um, school school districts, uh, that you do have more resources as you develop and mature. But the create at the end of the day, you have to get creative. Uh, and so whenever you're building out specifically that custodial team, because that's something we haven't really touched on in the show too much, is that, that reliance. What are things that you look for in leadership uh, on the custodial side in particular to help from that standpoint? You're looking for a dynamic individual um, that, that understands accountability. Uh, you know, head custodians typically are very dedicated staff members themselves, um, but they're not trained in management. They're not trained in leadership. And they're being asked to lead groups of 5 to 15 or 20 people or more um, on multiple shifts. So it's an area where there's a lot of opportunity for us to improve in the, the tools and training we give them to make them good leaders and good managers. Um, and you're looking for the same traits you look for in a facilities director um, in, in anyone who manages people in general, you know, the soft skills that, that aren't taught in the world are really the important skills in that job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and going back to preventative maintenance, right, we're tying it all together where you have the techs going out and doing the PM actions as, as you have the bandwidth to, right? Uh, you do rely on outside vendors uh, as well coming in. And so there's a lot that rolls up under the facilities director to determine what is the priority internally versus externally. And so, um, again, going back to that being creative, limited resources, how do you go about what are some best practices in prioritizing those PM actions and whether or not you're going to take that in-house or outsource it? Uh, number one is know your contract. All right. Um, it's a strong union environment typically in schools, especially here in New York State. Um, so knowing your contract, knowing limitations that are, that are um, and restrictions that are there in place. Um, and then really it's, you know, for, for our district, we look at our, our backlog. If our backlog is built up to the point where we're, we're scrambling to keep up with the work orders on the table, we need support. We're going to look to an outside agency for anything that's going to take more than a day to complete. As we catch up on our backlog and we're able to do small project work, we're going to do it in-house. Um, we have a robust team. If I need to replace a rooftop unit, I can replace a rooftop unit. If it's time to replace a chiller, probably not going to do that in-house. I'm probably going to outsource it. Um, so it's, it's that scalability. You know, if I was at Casanova again and I'm a small team of two or three maintenance technicians, I'm not even replacing a rooftop unit. I'm outsourcing that. So um, th those decision points change from school to school um, based on size, based on the capabilities of your team. You know, at Casanova, I was fortunate. I could replace and refurb heat pumps in the classrooms all day long because I had a technician who was capable of doing that work. With only two maintenance technicians on my staff, what's the likelihood that if he retired, I'd get another mechanic that could do that work? I'd probably be outsourcing it, you know, shooting at the point where he retired, unless I was able to train someone else. Uh, having more depth here in North Syracuse, I'm pretty confident of the three or four HVAC guys that I have on staff, I'm always going to have that capability. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and so you mentioned as far as the backlog and kind of going with the data, right? Uh, and so that goes into important metrics and KPIs that you're tracking there. And so as you are evaluating and where your resources are going, both budgetary and labor, what KPIs are important to keep track on and keep track of on a, a regular basis? And that's really, you know, your North Stars, if you will. Uh, uh, we look at, at completion rates. We look at time to complete um, is a very critical one for us. Um, being a big organization, you know, there's probably in the neighborhood of four to 500 work orders in our system at any given time. Um, so understanding that, you know, you want a small backlog for every staff member, you know, and defining those metrics is really important for every organization. Um, really difficult to do in a school mm -hmm. environment. There's, there's not a one size fits all benchmark. To, to look at. It's really tracking your data and looking at continuous improvement. It's, it's watching those targets and, and working toward improving your customer service, being there to support teachers and, and when they're not comfortable in the classroom, making sure that they are comfortable within a few hours, not a few days. Uh, those, those are really the critical things um, to look at a continuous process of improvement not so much trying to meet the same standards that a private agency might meet. And going to the, the client expectations and making sure that, in this case, your clients being faculty members around the campuses, um, how do you interact? How do you track that? How are you getting that type of feedback uh, from faculty members? So the work order system we use is um, open to the staff. They create their own work orders, and there's a feedback loop built in. So when, when we initiate work on a request or we, we enter data on it, certain events trigger a response back to the faculty member to let them know the status has changed. You know, we can send notes back and forth with them to let them know we're working on it. You know, that, hey, hey, we fixed it. You know, let us know how it's going. You know, if you have a problem in the next few days, reply here so we, we'll keep the work order open for a little bit to keep that loop going. Uh, so we utilize those type of tools to help us with the communication process. And in emergency situations, we ask that they, they call or email as well so that, you know, we're not in the work order system every moment of every day. It'll give us a little push to, to take a look and, and get something in the works for them if there's an emergency. Yeah, and I mean, you have to use technology and data as you move forward. And again, going with the creativity um, that is required in this type of position, uh, you need all the help you could get. And so those types of tools and uh, that information is just critical as you move forward. And um, last point there, where what else you could do with that type of information and it, tying it back to labor, right? You have to go and make a very strong business case if you do need additional headcount, right? Um, obviously, we all want it. We all want to be fully staffed and take those 500 sitting work orders and reduce that to zero in the ideal scenario. Um, so what are, what are important metrics that you follow to go make that business case of, hey, I may or may not need uh, additional heads moving into the new year? Um, so there, there's a lot of different resources available. Um, currently within North Syracuse, we're performing a custodial audit. So we brought a third party agency in to review our tasking and our staffing levels primarily in response to COVID, to, to really make sure that the changes that we've made 
um, aren't negatively impacting our staff, that we're treating people fairly and, and, and equitably across the district um, from building to building and from team to team. Um, and we, you know, we're, we're working on standardizations as well. Uh, we've got a few buildings that are a little bit rogue that aren't quite on the same page as everybody else that we want to dial in um, and, and really just modernize some of our practices there. Um, so as we go from department to department, I run security as well. Our security needs over the last year have magnified threefold um, just because of the behaviors with students coming back from, from long absences from school, and I'm sure every district's facing that. Um, so in some cases, the, the numbers tell a story, and in some cases, it's the story itself that justifies the need. Um, and, and storytelling is really how you make that impact with your cabinet, with your board of education. Um, if you don't give them the background and you don't make it relatable, you know, numbers help support that decision, but the story is what sells it. And uh, it's really important to have that piece of it as well. Um, I draw back to our work order system. When I first came here, our backlog was over 900 work orders. <laughs> We're down in the four to 500 range, which seems to be a comfortable spot where everybody has 15 or 20 work orders in their queue and are, we're more able to get to those urgent work orders in a timely fashion and not let things slip for weeks at a time. Um, so, you know, it's a week to two week backlog for each individual person um, on our team and it seems to be a good point. Uh, but we're, we're always looking at that and we're always testing the waters to see can we do a little bit better. You know, can what? we get down to 300 and, and get to more preventative maintenance? You know, so. What tweaks can we make to uh, to get to that most efficient, uh, well-oiled machine as we uh, we move forward? And um, absolutely love hearing that. But um, one last question, Matt, before I let you get back to it. Um, who or what has had the biggest influence on you and your facilities management career? There's a couple of people, I guess. Um, I would have to say the first superintendent I worked for as a director um, Matt Riley with Casnovia Schools. Um, he, he really taught me about the community engagement process, um, really helped me hone my skills as a manager. Um, and he left me with, with one real good piece of advice that I use in almost every meeting I, I participate in now, and especially the ones that I lead, and that's leave people with three things, three focal points to, to every meeting. So I challenge you to come up with your three focal points for our conversation today to leave your guests. Oh, on the spot, huh? On the spot. <laughs> well, I think it's starting out um, just the creativity that's required of uh, anyone in facilities in this role, um, whether that be getting creative around your budget, getting creative around uh, how you allocate your labor resources. But um, that being a requirement for anyone in facilities is uh, one of the main takeaways. But uh, also the importance of teamwork. Um, you know, you have you mentioned earlier the technical component as well as the custodial um, division of facilities and how, uh, although you may not have you know the staff required as we all would like, um, you have heads there that they may not be as technical as your technicians out there, but they're still to your point um, going through each and every piece of equipment as they're cleaning it. They could get a feel for what's right and what's wrong. Uh, so using you know every area of the organization there. Uh, and then as far as different KPIs, just the importance of data. And that's really 
what I love talking about is the power of technology, automation, and just using your numbers to help you out. But um, to me, for putting on the spot, those are the three main takeaways that I've had from it. I don't know if you'd critique that at all, but <laughs> how'd I do? <laughs> you did your fine. You're fine. Yep. I think, I think that, you know, for me, it's people. It's really one thing. You, you need to know your people. You need to know their strengths and weaknesses, and you need to capitalize on them and, and give them ownership because people that own things care about things, and they're going to work harder for you. Couldn't agree more there. Uh, well, Matt, hey, certainly appreciate you coming on, taking the time to uh, you know go through your background, uh, go through your expertise uh, working in the educational facility space, and um, certainly appreciate it. Looking forward to staying in touch. All right. Well, thank you very much, Griffin. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and visit our website, stratumcommunity.com, for more facilities management content.